The NAESP Principal Podcast is sponsored by the National Association of Elementary School Principals, supporting our nation's leaders from preschool through eighth grade. Whether you're looking to develop your professional learning network, extra liability coverage at a fraction of the cost, or you want to level up your professional development, NAESP has you covered. Today on the show, we have a school leader that has literally just made the jump from assistant principal to principal. Just last week, their local school board confirmed their appointment as principal for next year. And we are so pumped to welcome Rosalba Rodriguez to the show. Rosalba, what's up? Congratulations. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited um, with my new promotion. Um, it's just been a, it's been a blessing and it's been just a lot of happy moments since, since that day I got promoted. Yeah, it's super exciting because you and I are connected and we've been in contact and touching base and chatting and messaging just kind of throughout the whole process. And then also, you know, Rachel, as we look at look through this podcast, this is episode nine. We started our first episode with um, the topic of the job hunt, and we thought it would be fitting at this point in the year to have somebody that we know that has actually just made the jump from assistant principal to principal, which is such an important step. I know I was an assistant principal, um, learned so much before I got my, on my first principalship. Um, so you haven't taken over your new school yet. You'll take over, I guess, like July one, start working August one, you know, whatever it is, but how are you feeling? I'm feeling excited. And then I'm also feeling, you know, I'm starting to feel like the pressure of, okay, so you, you know, you need to meet your staff, you need to meet the parents, you need to meet classified. And um, I don't know what my office looks like. I know what the outside of the school looks like, because I've already driven around to check out the neighborhood and everything. And so I'm just kind of, I want to meet with the principal. So, you know, to get more clarification as to, you know, the, the environment, the climate, the culture, but overall, it's just been an exciting feeling with the anxiety and the nervousness because I will be the new kid. And so they all know each other. So that's kind of been, you know, running through, through my head too. Oh, very, very real stuff. I know I've always been given the advice to ask lots of questions uh, during those first couple months and even that, that first year. So, hey, let's dive in and talk about that process. How did you prepare for that interview and that job application and that job hunt? Um, so I've had, I can honestly say I have had so much support. And so I'm going to drop names and be, with the people that have supported me because it's been the, the best experience. Um, so I connected with the sister circle with Sandra, with Rosa, Maria, um, Jessica, Veronica, and, um, and Pam. And, uh, we, they actually helped me with the interview process. They sat in a panel, um, they interviewed me and they gave me feedback. And so that made it, you know, that made it more, um, it just gave me more of a, a perspective as to how to prepare for the, for my first interview. And um, my coach, uh, which is my mentor for the, with, here in California, the cast to admin clearance, he also helped me a lot with preparing my resume, uh, my letter of intent, which I, you know, I started it out when I knew, I mean, I've, I've known that there would be positions available. So I didn't start when they flew it. I started getting my resume ready and my letter of intent months in advance. And I kept going back and editing, kept going back editing. And there was like many people that looked through it to make sure that I was, I was sane enough. 
And one of the things that my coach said was, um, make sure you, you don't focus so much on what you did as a teacher. Like, tell us what you're doing now. What are you doing right now? That was one thing that I wasn't spotlighting enough in my, in my, you know, my resume and my, in my letter. Well, I was just looking back at my DMs and on March 18th, you threw me a DM that said they just flew principal positions at yeah. my districts. <laughs> Pray, prayers my way, please. And I said, you don't need to pray, be yourself. You know, you got this. And that's kind of, I know you were preparing beforehand, but uh, it's fun to look back at like almost three months, three months ago. Yeah. So what was the process like where, where you are? And obviously not getting to like super, super specifics, but I know everything, everything's a little bit different. I've been in interviews where there's been like 20 people on the panel for a school. And then you go to like the next round or sometimes some districts, the first round is actually like the district office. And then they tell the schools, okay, here are your candidates. Like, how was that process? Um, any advice now? Because hiring season is not over. I mean, it's always kind of happening, especially things happen late. You know, any, any advice that you would give to other aspiring leaders, maybe in your preparation during the process, how the process changed you, what, what you learned from it? So it was the first, the first level interview was with um, other administrators and personnel, and it was two panels. So I sat with three different people for 30 minutes, which was super intimidating. And then it was another set of interviews. They did the interpersonal and the technical. And so they split seven questions or eight questions in 30 minutes. And uh, one of the things that I, I should have done a little bit better on is elaborating and telling more about what I was doing. I was doing the job, I've already been doing you know, the job and I didn't give enough detail. So I was really short on my time. <laughs> so I knew that right away. I was like, oh, I'm not gonna go to second level. I didn't say enough. And so once, once I went through the first level, then it took a few days and then I got the, the, the email that I would be going to second level, which was with our superintendent and two assistant superintendents. And the same, it was a 30 minute interview process and um, seven questions. And so knowing that I didn't go long enough on my first interview, I went back and I, um, I started just gathering my resources and just really, um, and looking at my stuff too, the stuff that I had created, I needed to go back to like when COVID started, when I first started, what different things, looking at my portfolio as to what I've been doing so that I could remember too, everything that I had done because I need to give them examples. You know, they need to know what I'm doing. And, you know, it's such a large district that they know I'm an assistant principal, but they really, you know, they're busy too. They have a lot going on. And so I needed to let them know, this is what I've done here. This is what I've done there. And especially with the pandemic, I gave insight as to what I was doing to prepare my school for the return. I like that you merged the, what am I doing now? Which was the advice that you received with, with their questions. And I love that reflection that you had between round one and round two. So I'm curious, what advice would you give to other aspiring leaders for that interview process, um, especially since you, you're just hot off the press with having gone through that? I, I would say, you know, um, connect with people that are doing the job, connect with your professional learning network because they have, there's so much information out there. And that's what I've done. I've relied on everybody. And that's why, you know, like when I reached out to Ed, I'm like, you know, I, I'm going to apply and, you know, I reached out to Vernon. I reached out to a lot of the fit leaders that I'm connected with too. And um, just, you know, some, you know, everybody had something to give me. 
you know, make sure you tell them this, make sure you tell them that, don't forget this, don't forget. So I would say rely on your people because they're your cheerleaders and you get that courage to the confidence from having a positive network also. So it would just be lean on people because once you get the job, I'm, I'm not gonna stop. You know, like I'm gonna ask questions, you know, I'm, I'm gonna continue to lean on those people that help me. Yeah, I love what you said too about having people that you know do like mock interviews. And I've heard people do that, but I would say one, one recommendation I would make to people out there that are listening, that are interviewing is really, really do a mock interview. Like don't be, do it with your friends, but like make sure you do it. Um, I, I know like as a, as a speaker, like I'll practice my keynote like 15 times. If I haven't done it in a few weeks or gosh, you know, I haven't been in person in over a year, like I'm really going to practice it. Like you really, really got to practice because that pressure and that mindset is different um, from when you're just practicing with yourself or maybe your spouse or your partner or something like really get in that grinder or have people in your PLN set you up with other people that are not in mm -hmm. your PLN that you don't know. So they don't know like, oh, hey, Rosalba, you know, hey, Rachel, like, you know, like, oh, hey, who's this? You know, and like, they're, they know why they're there, but they're really there to kind of give it to you and to kind of put you in that grinder. Cause it can be a grind when there's 5, 10, 15, 25 people at the other side of the table or now on Zoom or you got a mask on. I mean, like all those things come into play so um okay so next year next year what are you thinking about i know you told us before the show that you've been waking up at two in the morning um <laughs> yeah. which is not healthy but i know you're you're excited but you're thinking and you're planning but like thirty thousand foot what are you what are you thinking about i mean i'm thinking about um so my district has three programs homeschool in person and virtual so some of our teachers that will be coming back in person um, have been virtual. March 13th hit and they have not stepped foot on campus. And so I wanna reconnect them again. So I, I wanna just help them to, to feel cheered on. You know, I want to be that positive, you know, you know, I'm here to support, I'm here to help. I wanna build the relationships. A lot of teachers haven't communicated with one another because some are in person, they're dealing with their in-person, you know, things that were going on, the, the scare of COVID and everything. Some were still, you know, connected virtually with their kids. And so I want to just just bring in that team building. And I'm already looking on Pinterest, like what kind of little ideas that I can get to like, you know, when they get to the staff meeting, they have something they're waiting for them just the first day meeting, um, whether it's just like a, you know, not, not just a mug or anything like that, but I'm just looking for ways to just say like, I'm happy you're here. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad we're back, I'm, you know. Just, I'm just looking for, basically it's more social emotional than checking in. I'm, I'm looking into that more. I like your thought process. I think you're definitely on the right track. So let's drill a little deeper. What are you thinking in regards to your first hundred days? Those are always kind of like a real pivotal time in new positions. There's some great literature out there. I think the book title is actually called your first 100 days. That's a phenomenal resource, but what are you thinking that you're gonna tackle during that time? Um, I plan to meet with the current principal to ask about the traditions in place, um, just what, what they're doing already, what's already working that they're doing. And if she had plans on switching certain things in the future, I want to you know, know that. And um, I, I really just want to get to know everyone, the community, and um, thinking about like, am I going to continue my YouTube channel there? And then how am I going to communicate with my kids, with the families? 
And I plan on moving so slow, just, you know, because we're coming back from the pandemic and making big changes is not going to be smart. So just asking a lot of questions and, you know, just, just making sure that I ask the right questions too, so that I get to know why they're doing their lunch like this or why they're, you know, why library time is like this. And, you know, because a run, a school can pr pretty much run on its own because they've been doing it, all, you know, all the time. And so it's just, I need to understand, you know, and I need to learn. So asking a lot of questions and probably um, I'd like to meet with my team, like the leadership team on campus too. And um, I'd like to have, I want to know, um, I don't know what the fall is going to be like. So I don't know if it's going to be like an in-person, maybe I could do like an in-person, like coffee with the principal for my staff, or um, I'll just put it on, I'll be on Google Meet at this time and then just have different slots so that we could do a meet and greet. And then um, probably with the community too, where I do like a Google slide with meet the principal. And then I have pictures of my family and just a little bit about myself and then maybe a, a quick Q and A. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know about you, Rachel, but I always felt like the first year of my principalship was easier because you don't know much. But after the first year, you know, like the different things and the people and then this and the kids and the families and the second year is harder. So um, hopefully it's a really smooth first year and then the second year. But it's like everything's different right now, though, because coming back from COVID and uh, you know, every, mm -hmm. every state's in a little bit of a different place, but um, I really like what you said, uh, Rosalba, about just going slow. Um, you know, I, I think about that as like being sustainable. I always think, you know, do as much or as little as the school and the community needs you to, because what you think they may need or what you think you're going to do could be completely opposite from what you actually end up doing. It's kind of like a student, like if you taught fourth grade and there was a third grader coming up and you heard about this student and everyone was like, oh my gosh, okay, well, good luck, Mrs. Rodriguez. And you get that student and they're like, amazing because you have a different approach to just your classroom. And it's the same thing with school leadership. You might be able to go way faster, way farther, way deeper than you thought or your district thought just because of personalities come together. You're able to hire you know, kind of, kind of what have you, um, I think I'm going to give you my advice. I think the most important person to kind of get on your side is the office secretary staff, office manager, because everybody's going to come by there and be like, so has a new principal, not to you, but to them. And when you build those relationships, you listen to them, you empower them, you support them like in an instant, they're the ones because people are going to experience you, but the, the office staff is going to experience you the most because, you know, like take those, take those people to lunch, like as soon as you can or coffee or whatever it is, just to really get to know them and say, Hey, I'm going to follow you. You show me because they're going to be the conduit for so many other people, parents included, because usually those people have been there for a while. I don't know, Rachel, what do you think about that? Oh, hands down, find out what they like to drink and their favorites <laughs> and spoil them and Good idea. Make, sure, make sure that line of communication is open, check in with them at least as a sit down meeting once a week, and then make sure you're checking in daily. And the piece that I have to remember all the time is asking ahead of things like ahead of time before an event or something goes down, like, Hey, Brenda, how did this look before I got here? How did you guys approach this last year? So you at least have a frame of reference and you don't go in blind. That's been <laughs> that's been when I've gotten into like sticky situations is when I don't ask and I assume and I just go and create or do what I've done in other locations. So checking in with your office peeps is huge. You're those gonna are, need to change your Twitter too, handle yeah. 
goes all, but you're going to need to change your Twitter handle. I like it. Right now you're AP Row Rodriguez, um, but you're going to have to change that. I know, yeah. And I would like, you know, anytime that I talk to anybody, you know, um, a few people have asked me like, hey, you know, I'm going to apply for assistant principal. And then I, my first question is, are you on Twitter? And then, you know, the answer is no. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, you mm-hmm. need to get on Twitter because there's, I, I read books, but then I also read more what people are posting and then those articles. And so um, like right now I was telling Rachel, I'm, I'm in like part four of, you know, the principal ed book. And then I was talking to Jessica and she said, you know what, she did um, the Kids Deserve It book. And she has, you know, a lot of support material to help me with that too. So I'm like, oh, those are good ideas. Um, and I would have never connected with anybody. I would have still been in the small little place I was without, you know, without having joined Twitter last year. And so it really is a connection. And I, yeah. It's a game changer. It truly is. It opens your eyes to the world. It's it's fascinating. And kids deserve it. That would be a fantastic book for your staff to do mm-hmm. next year. I bet Adam could probably get you a discount. Just saying. Of course, yeah. we can definitely hook you up. <laughs> I think, I think though, I think you've already done the most important thing to prepare. And that is you were an assistant principal. Because I I know I know people that go right from the classroom or they go from the classroom to like a coaching job um, to then principal, um, which is okay. But I'll tell you, like, I was an assistant principal of a very large elementary school, 1,200 kids, and then I went to go be a principal of my own school, and I, I was so ready. Because you haven't had all the conversations, Rosalba, but you've had so many conversations, or you've been around mm-hmm. principal conversations. So I would also encourage you and everybody else that's listening, if you are a brand new principal, to get connected with those brand new principals. So whoever you knew or know from, there's a um, Emily Pichelle down in, I think Alabama has a network that elementary AP network. So connect with those people that have gotten principal jobs or just anybody because it's assistant principal is the closest you can get to becoming a principal, but it's still, there's still a gap in what you're going to do in your experiences, but you've already done, I think the most important thing, which is become an assistant principal. Now you just got to have fun and just be there for the kids and support teachers. And I think remember to have grace with yourself. Um, even if you did the exact same job in another district or another building, switching to a new environment, there's going to be mishaps, missteps, miscommunications, and you have to start rebuilding those relationships from scratch and know that we're not perfect. And a lot of us come into this job with kind of a perfectionist quality about ourselves and just embrace it, that there's going to be bumps. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to own that with your staff right up front. Like, Hey, I'm new. I'm going to do things a little different. I'm going to ask a ton of questions, but please have grace with me. And the reason I'm asking questions is to get to know you in the process and the building. And I want it to go both ways. Um, I have found that when I've not been explicit or not had grace with myself, I tend to get into a bad situation about one or two months down the road, even like with my self-talk or just in regards to how staff are viewing things. So food for that. <laughs> oh, that's good advice for sure. And then just letting them know too. Yeah. Right up front, you know, I'm learning, I'm learning, you know, so patience, please. <laughs> Completely. I had that conversation with a new administrator on Friday, super, super big. So um, Adam, do you want to kind of wrap us up? What are you thinking? I'm just thinking, don't overthink it. 
Rosalba and new principles because there are so many books. There's so many videos, there's so many articles, there is so much advice out there. Heck, we have this podcast, which documents advice and experiences. And I think the simpler you can approach it by smiling, having fun, just being supportive, asking questions, anticipating what people need, I think is so important and so valuable. And um, I would just caution you, Rosalba, and everybody that's taken over a new school is to whatever you do, it's got to be sustainable because it has to be sustainable. Would you, could you, do you want to still be doing whatever you're going to be doing in two years or three years or five years? If it's such a big thing, I just don't, I don't think that, I don't think that's the answer because a lot of times it's just so much work. It's too much work. And what does it really impact? Are we doing it for us? Or are we doing it to positively impact culture, the instructional program, people really enjoying coming to their jobs or coming to their jobs more? Um, I think those are some important things to think about. And um, just, just keep it simple and ha have fun and be in classrooms every single day. My challenge to you, Rosalba, which was always my challenge to myself when I was at a new school, was to be in every classroom every day for the first 100 days of school. And it's not a 10 minute visit. It could be a 30 to 45 second visit, but I believe that kids and teachers should see their principal every single day in their classroom. Um, and there may be a day or a classroom that you skip because of IEPs or the police are there or whatever's happening, right? But as much as you can that first 100 days, it really, really sets the tone. And you're not in there on your phone, you're not with your laptop, you're not writing notes, you're just, you're just connecting and you're absorbing and you're looking and you're listening and you're formulating your next steps in your head. Because you can't know what's happening in classrooms, especially at a new school, if you're not in the classrooms, if you're in your office and if you're doing other things. So your phone is your office. Um, don't be a workaholic, be a hard worker and uh, enjoy the ride, my friend. Do you have anything else that you wanna say, Rosalba, to close this out? No, that was, that was great advice. That was one thing too, for sure, that I, I wanna include is just be in the playground, be in the classrooms and um, leave little notes behind so that they know that I'm watching, I can see them and find ways to elevate the kiddos because we, I, at my district, we have kids that have been virtual since 2020 and they'll be coming back in person in the fall. and so. One thing that I, I told um, during my, my second interview is we have second graders that left as kindergartners March 13th and they haven't stepped foot on a playground. They haven't been on the big campus. And so, you know, you know, making sure that those kids are okay because they haven't been probably on swings because they haven't even been to a park. So. Very true. So. Really, really good way to end it. Food for thought and an empowerful piece for all of us to remember as we head into the new school year. So thank you. Thank you. So Rachel, I don't know about you, but that was super fun talking with a brand new, newly minted principal that has yet to take over um, her new school where she's been placed, but she, she is in the process. She's finishing up her school year and, um, I know, yeah, we just wanted to talk a little bit deeper about the whole jump from assistant principal to principal, some things to think about, the whole sustainability piece. You know, we were also, we've been chatting about 
just the interviewing and the panel and like who should or shouldn't be on and like the questions and how long. And I, I know I've interviewed for multiple jobs throughout the years and every, every job is a little bit different and some I didn't like at the time. And now that I reflect and that I've been around a little bit more, I appreciate the thoroughness of those jobs. I'll tell you, uh, when I was, um, I was 29 when I got my first assistant principal job. And then two years later, I was applying for principalships in one district where I didn't get the job. It was literally like a six hour process. It was a panel interview in a room in California with no air conditioning. And then I had to go to another location across town. And there was, there was like 15 writing prompts that I had to answer. Um, and then I had to go into the superintendent's office where there were two teachers from the school and they were having a spat amongst each other. And I had to try to talk to them about it and mediate. It was the weirdest thing. And then I had to go to a room at the district office. I'm not done yet. Yeah, I had to go to a room where there was a video I had to watch of an angry parent that was just going off. And then there was a video camera where I had to videotape my response to that video message from them. So needless to say, it was really an interesting scenario. Um, I didn't get the job. I actually never heard from the district. They never responded me to me. I emailed their office staff three times to say, hey, um, did I get the job? I haven't heard back yet. And uh, crickets, crickets, crickets. So super unprofessional. But as I look back, I actually appreciated and appreciate some of the thoroughness of that. I think it could have been done in different ways. I mean, some things are just, you know, it's hard. Um, but that's like my first. And then I got a different job that I was super happy about getting and um, it all worked out. But every, every place is a little bit different where there's sometimes there's school board members on the panel. And I even have thoughts. I, I don't even, I honestly, I'm just going to say it. I don't feel that the community, like parent community and like actually teachers, I don't think that they should actually be on the panel. And I know that might be a bold statement, but if you think about it, like my wife works in medicine, her future patients weren't on, didn't interview her. The office staff, the medical assistants in her office didn't interview her. It was the other physicians in the group that interviewed her because that's who she'll be working with or, or for, you know, the head physicians. And if you think about that from a school standpoint too, I think maybe you have another principal in the, in the district on the panel, but I would say maybe even not, like it's directors, assistant superintendents and superintendents. And that's where we get into school board members. Only one person works for the school board and that's the superintendent. So even having them on the panels, um, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't get feedback from people on what they are looking for, but what they're looking for might be different from what the school district actually wants and needs in order to move that school forward in another direction. So what do you think about that? No, oh, totally, totally agree. You know, it's interesting at 29, instead of sitting in the chair for a vice principal job, I skipped that level, which probably wasn't super prudent on my my part. So it was a really big shock going into a principal interview as a teacher. And I write about this in the book, Principled, Navigating the Leadership Learning Curve with Kate and Courtney, that I sat in my first interview as a principal and almost walked out. Like they asked me, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
I choked, went complete dry mouth, big old ball in my throat. And I'm like, what am I doing here? It's grading day. I should be back in my other district <laughs> and almost got up and walked out except for it was a big committee and we were in a tiny room and I would have had to like leap over like three people to get to the door. So I just gulped it down and jumped in. So I ended up getting that job, which I was really, really shocked and surprised. You at. almost walked out of the interview and you ended up getting the job. I love yeah, isn't it. that nuts? Wow. wow. But we had a school board member on that committee, which I thought was interesting. The subsequent ones that I've sat in, that's not been the case, but it's fascinating. I've heard over the last year or so, some different situations where board members have played a very intricate role in, in the approval process of principals where like they were approved by the committee, the superintendent liked them, they were ready to rock and roll. And it went to the school board meeting and then they didn't get the job. So it just really makes me ponder and wonder the role in which they play along with other stakeholders. And this is out there with what I'm going to say, just as a disclaimer, but superintendents know what they're looking for, right? They're building their team. They know what direction they want or the directors do or the other principals. And you're right. When you throw in some of the different stakeholders that you maybe work with or that you are leading, it kind of messes the water a little bit. Even as a building principal, I had teachers that were on my interview committees, but I also knew that oftentimes people pick really safe choices that don't want a lot of change. And I've talked to so many principal candidates, VP candidates, where the folks on the committee are from the building and they want someone that's gonna come in and not change what they're doing, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. And they want the safe choice because change, let's be honest, is super, super hard, even when it's for the right reason. So you're really stuck in a spot, right? Like you want change, you know, you need change, but you don't actually want to do the work. And so now you're trying to find someone that's going to help facilitate that process. Those hard decisions are much more easily made by folks that are at the district office at times. Yeah. Well, and every, every person that an organization hires, I think needs to make them better. And I have a problem with the term servant leader. I don't feel that I'm here to serve people. I feel that I'm here to work with people. And I'm not saying that people that say servant leader are saying that they're there to serve. But once you get the job, you don't work for your teachers and for the community. Like you work with them. I'm working for my, my supervisors. And it's funny what you said about people hiring safe. I was an elementary school teacher. And um, a month into school, I was teaching a combination class and numbers changed. And my principal called me and said, hey, we're breaking up your combination class. A month into school, she was a brand new principal. Um, she was just the messenger. So we have to hire, uh, I was going to teach fourth grade. We had to hire a fifth grade teacher. So obviously we were distraught because these were my students. This was my class, but hey, that's life. Like you roll on. So we were interviewing. And I remember there was this candidate, like this candidate was the candidate, like we were going to hire her. And another person on my team um, was the senior teacher. And I felt a very, very mediocre um, teacher. And they, they didn't want that person. And I knew why they didn't want that person, because that person was challenging. And they were going to challenge them. And they wanted the other person because they had a good handshake. That's what that person said. They had a really good handshake. And it blew me away. The principal 
who I'm still friends with, went with the other person. They went with the safe person to hire. And I'm like, stand up to the people that want to hire down or average. You got to hire better and you're not going to make everybody happy. But you know what? You're going to make your school and your organization a better place when when you do that. And uh, as long as you've been thorough in, in the whole interview process, and uh, I already had my admin credential at that point. And after that, after that incident, I said, this is my last year teaching. I need to get an assistant. I need to get an admin job because you can complain and you can say, we should do this. We should do that. Or you can put your money where your mouth is and go and get that job and do your best to do it differently because leadership is hard and you're not here to make friends. You're here to make the right decision. And uh, another problem though, Rachel, is there are so many ingrained practices in education, especially that just have not changed for decades. It's hard to change that. And then when you get somebody in a position that wants to do, do it even a little bit differently and your organization is not ready for that, you, you get the alien look. And there's a chapter in my first book, Kids Deserve It, called The Alien Look. And it's when people give you that crazy look because you ask the question, you want to do it a little bit differently, and education and hiring needs to be, it needs to be more innovative. Um, it needs to be, we need to think differently as we approach that process, for sure. Completely. You know, speaking of asking questions, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show that that was some of the best advice that's been given to me during leadership changes or new staff coming on, but it's almost a double-edged sword, or at least... <laughs> Maybe it has been, in my opinion, in my experience, maybe it's my question asking skills that I'm still working to develop, but it's fascinating because folks on the other side don't always view questioning, no matter how nicely it's worded, how much you smile, how much you use cognitive coaching, hey, help me understand, can you tell me more, what might you think? There's a level of defensiveness that people can definitely have, especially if you're new to an organization, and I know it's caught me at times definitely off guard. Hey, Rachel, why are you micromanaging me? Hey, you don't trust me to do my job. And I'm like, what, where did this come from? And when I dig a little deeper, it's all centered around that I'm asking questions. And I think that that's a really, really fascinating piece that people need to be aware of when they enter into new positions that while we might be completely honest and transparent and wholeheartedly pure with our questions so we can better serve, that's not always the lens that other people look at it from. And that's just something to be, just be aware of as you watch their body language, as, as you watch them respond. Have you experienced anything like that? Hopefully I'm not alone. Oh, no. I mean, I've gotten feedback. I've gotten feedback recently that I'm intimidating or I'm overqualified and uh, I don't know how. Um, I think the intimidation, it comes from people's ego and I don't take it personal. And then I just wasn't meant to be a part of your team because you don't want to hire, you want to hire a certain person that makes you feel comfortable. And there is no growth in the comfort zone And our schools right now more than ever need, they need growth and they need change because gosh, with COVID and with our world, we, we need to have our schools reflect that. And it starts with leadership. Leadership is so important. And if we're hiring status quo, or if we're hiring you know, down, not to say that we're hiring bad people, but the people that are not going to put us forward and, and help us to grow, then we're just not going to grow our organizations. And they're going to, they're just not going to, they're not going to remain relevant for our kids and for our communities. And that's a shame. Completely. So for all of our leaders out there that maybe just signed contracts or 
are hoping to in the next month or so, because the hiring season, I don't know, for this year, at least in Oregon, it's late. We still have superintendents leaving jobs, and those are usually January, February deals. So that domino effect is just going to continue all the way up to when I think people report back to work. So what are some things in your first hundred days that you always do? I know that you mentioned being in each classroom every day. I know, shout out to, to Bobby. Um, she's just phenomenal. She actually has a really solid 100 day plan that she puts together and uses in her buildings or in her interview process when she's looking for jobs. But what's in yours? Yeah, first hundred days, every classroom, be it every single drop off and pick up and be at every single lunch. I think sitting down with kids at lunch, at the lunch tables is really, really important because you just get to see and hear. I also think something that is good for new administrators, but for all administrators is to be res as responsive as you can right away. If a parent emails you, email them back right away or pick up the phone and call them right back right away. Uh, you know, I'll get an email from a parent and seven minutes later, it says seven minutes ago, I'll call them. Hey, Mrs. Jones, Mr. Welcome from the school. Oh, hi. Yeah, I just got your email. And oh, my gosh, like you're just setting the precedent. You're not setting the precedent that you're going to email them back at 11 p.m. on a Saturday. But during school hours, when you're working and there's something going on, you're going to get back to them right away. And I think I think the last thing and I'm keeping it super simple. The last thing is start making positive phone calls, celebrating kids. I talk about that in Kids Deserve It as well, too. You know, and you find out about those kids at recess, in classrooms, at lunch, bring them to the office. Hey, Mrs. George. I got Rachel here. You're like, yes. And the first thing that they're thinking about is what did she do or what did she do this time? And I was just in class and you celebrate something with them. It's going to set the tone for when the new principal calls or the principal calls, hopefully, because I've been getting these positive phone calls, it's going to be for a positive reason. And you start shifting that narrative of when the principal calls, when the school calls, the kids are in trouble or something happened. And that's not the way it should be, in my opinion. And it's, it just gets you on the path of positivity. Hopefully your teachers are gonna do that as well too. Positive phone calls home. It doesn't cost any money. It takes less than three minutes. And at the end of the day, we're boosting the self-confidence of our kids and we're modeling for our teachers what we want them to do. You don't need training. It's not one more thing to do. It is the thing to do because kids remember that parents remember that and then everybody works harder for the school or in the organization because you're doing those simple things so that is my short list don't complicate it keep it simple yes yes and yes what's on your list what's on your first hundred day list rachel you know um all the all the things that you talked about for sure <laughs> <laughs> that's an easy response. Uh, but we actually, we kind of, we go into this within section one of principled because it's like drinking from the fire hose. You're like, holy moly, all of this is my job. How do I prioritize it? What do I do? Especially if you're in a district or a building where you're really needing to make some forward movement um, and you need to make some changes or you need to rebrand, which let's be honest, that's the perfect time to pull your staff together, figure out what's our why, what's our vision and mission, and how are we going to get there? And you should be doing that consistently. All you principals out there, if you've been in your building for, you know, three, four years, you should definitely be reviewing that every year and definitely looking for it to be upgraded. But if you're brand spanking new, as you're interviewing with stakeholders and you're talking and being present, this is some of the work that you should be doing during professional development, staff meeting time, early release, whatever that schedule allows. That's how you're going to bring that cohesive nature with your team together. So you're all on the same boat 
rowing the same direction and making progress because what worked for the principal before might not be what's going to work for you or what the school needs. And it's a great opportunity for you to just stop, reflect, figure out what your why is, what your motivation and what your purpose is for being there, and then make a great game plan moving forward. Talk about collective efficacy. I love it. Everybody out there listening, keep crushing it, keep smiling, focus on students, focus on teachers, and uh, don't overthink it. And if you need help, reach out to Rachel, reach out to myself. If you have not yet built your professional learning network, build your PLN, sign up for the NAASP conference this summer. If you can't get to Chicago, sign up for a state or local conference because we are better when we are together. We are better when we are connected because if you think you don't have the answer or you're in a rut, you know, connect with those people that are doing the job elsewhere and uh, they're going to have some ideas and they're going to have some energy and some mojo and you're going to get through whatever spot you are stuck in. So those are my closing words. What else do you got, Rachel, to close us out? You're on the home stretch. You have like one to two weeks left with kids. I know that we don't like to do countdowns, but you're almost there in the wise words of running. These are the last hard steps that you got to do, but you just need to stride it out. We know that your legs are cramping, that you feel like you're going to throw up all over yourself, or maybe that's just me during the last mile or two of a marathon, but stride it out. Just keep going, keep pumping your arms. You'll get across the finish line. And then guess what? You can sit down, catch your breath and recoup over the next couple months and then get ready to kick some butt for next year. So we're here with you. So thank you everyone for joining us for this episode of NAESP Principal Podcast. Learn more about NAESP at guess what? It is naesp.org. We hope to see you in Chicago in the month of July for our 100th anniversary, and we'll see you next time. The NAESP Principal Podcast is sponsored by the National Association of Elementary School Principals, supporting our nation's leaders from preschool through eighth grade. Andy Jacks here, Senior Fellow for NAESP Centers for Advancing Leadership. Whether you are looking to develop your professional learning network, extra liability coverage at a fraction of the cost, or you want to level up your professional development, NAESP has you covered.